Happy Monday, you all. I'm Lance Armstrong. Welcome back to my podcast, otherwise known as the Forward Podcast. So we had a lot of, uh, a whole lot of feedback from last week's, um, I don't know what you call it, uh, session, podcast, interview, um, discussion between myself and Dylan Casey and Christian Vandeveld and George Hincapian. Um, we were all really, I th- let me just speak for them, uh, we were all super uh, excited and humbled and honored with the feedback that we got. We know that uh, discussion that we had may not be for everybody, but overwhelmingly the feedback was, was positive. And so um, thanks to you all for tuning in and for uh, for giving us such huge downloads and, and uh, saying such nice things uh, to, to four guys that that uh, may or may not deserve nice things to be said to them, but we appreciate it. And um, thanks again. We did that podcast at the 24 hours of uh, in the old Pueblo, uh, which was just, it, it took, you know, this, had, for those who didn't tune in, it was a 24 hour relay on mountain bikes in the middle, you know, through the night, et cetera, bad weather, cold, wet. And when I got back to Austin, it, it was literally like I had been, well, I've never been to Mars, but I mean, I've been to Europe and, and all around the world plenty of times. So we all, I know, and we, I think most of us know what jet lag is like. Well, this was jet lag like times 50. So yeah, like you'd been to the moon or been to Mars and back. I was so out of it. I didn't know what hit me. Um, and so I finally came around towards the middle of the week, which of course the middle of the week if you guys did not know this, I am a keen observer of this particular holiday. It was National Margarita Day. And so we went down to my buddy college's place, La Mancha, and had ourselves, you know, it, it's National Margarita Day. So we had, we indulged in a bit of those. And then the next day, uh, it's not a holiday. It's not recognized, but I, I've, I've, I've now coined it and, and, and I want to claim it that uh, the day after is National Hangover Day. Because I was I was hurting for certain, so the whammy of twenty four hours in the old pueblo and National Margarita Day just about ruined my week. Um, but I'm back, I'm back, back on the bike. And uh, speaking of the bike, the interesting thing about last week's podcast was that it was it was a lot about the bike. Wait, whoever said it's not about the bike? Hmm. What a stupid thing to say. But. In all seriousness, that that podcast was was largely about cycling, and and as you loyal listeners know, I really don't talk a lot about cycling. I certainly don't talk about old stories from the past, but, but for, for yeah, for no other reason other than I just feel like talking about something else. Um, but it, it it's it's kind of coincided with this, uh, you know, my renewed passion for riding. I sort of got thrust back into it because I got injured running, but, um, uh, I've been loving it, been loving riding. And, and last week's episode was, um, was kind of my first discussion about it. And so I don't, I wouldn't, I don't think I'm going to put the bike away or the discussion of the bike away forever. And, and, and I'm kicking around some ideas about some future discussions in and around cycling. I know that obviously there are a lot of cycling fans around the world, um, and so it was interesting to get their feedback after last week. And who knows? Actually, you know what? If you guys have any thoughts on this, 
if you if 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 you're a cyclist or a cycling fan or just you know the sport and have questions, send me an email. The Forward Podcast at WeDoSport.com. The Forward Podcast at WeDoSport.com. That's W-E-D-U Sport.com. And let me know. I mean, it might be, you know, could it be a a, a, a podcast or, or a series of podcasts that covers the classics, the spring classics? Or could it be a podcast that's, that's a Tour de France uh, wrap-up show every day? I don't know. Just Just some fun stuff to think about. My guest this week is Tanya Streeter. She's uh, a com- total and complete badass. I watched a documentary. I, 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 if I had a dollar for every time I've talked about documentaries on this podcast, I'd be, uh, I'd be, I'd be settling that postal case overnight. But um, kidding. Uh, but I love documentaries. On one of the trips, I watched a plastic ocean and. It, one of the co-hosts of the show was Tanya Streeter, and I got to. Um, by the way, the film you have to watch it. I mean, it is absolutely mind-boggling the amount of plastic and microplastics in our oceans. That you know, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on, you can't call bullshit on this. It's real. It's legit. Most of us have kids. You got to pay attention. So I, I I came across Tanya and. And then I learned that she was a free diver, which is something that I think is just so freaking epic. And I love, I've kind of dabbled in it myself. And lo and behold, she lived here in Austin, Texas. So I reached out to Tanya and uh, asked her to come on. And, and we, we had, uh, I know I say this almost every week, but th- this was a really, I was on the edge of my seat. I loved this discussion. Tanya grew up in the Caymans, um, British parents. So she's got that accent. So it's one of those accents where you can just like, you know, sit there and listen to her for hours and hours just because, like, you want her to be, like, your Siri, right, to talk to you. Um, but she's very, very bright, obviously an amazing athlete, um, a great presenter when it came to what I saw in the documentary. And uh, we, we had a, just a, a, a super engaging conversation, so I hope you enjoy it. The the the, the I had this really uh, funny idea as... I was walking down to do the podcast that I would, that her and I would record the intro of this particular podcast underwater. Uh, you know, whatever, a stupid idea perhaps on my part, but we actually pulled it off. Um, her and I did a bunch of, uh, actually we didn't do that many takes, we probably did three or four takes, uh, but if you if you saw the intro on, on social media, you'll see it. So with a little help from some weight belts and some breath holds and some note cards, um, I I thought, you know what, what I'm asking is for you guys to give me a little credit for thinking of just such a a, a witty and cool way to introduce um, a lady who's done something. By the way, keep in mind, when she had the world record for the No Limits free dive at 525 feet, which is nearly two football fields, she had the world's record for women and men. So at the time she had that world record, there wasn't a dude in the world that could do that. I mean, think about that. That is, um, that is amazing. So uh, I hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Uh, I know that I did. And, uh, and if you didn't watch the film of the intro, uh, please do because I'm very very proud of myself uh, for dreaming that whole thing up and actually being able to pull it off and hold my breath that long to do it underwater. See y'all next week. 
Tanya, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. I want to talk to you about two things. We'll obviously talk about more things, but two, the two big things that, as I got to know your story just in the last couple of weeks after watching the, the, the readers, or sorry, the listeners of the show know that I'm obsessed with documentaries. Like I watch, like if I go to iTunes and I'm traveling and I try to find something to watch, I don't look at movies, I go straight to documentaries. So especially music documentaries. But I was traveling recently and I saw, and I downloaded a plastic ocean thinking it had good reviews. I watched the trailer. I didn't know you. I didn't, uh, you know, we get a lot of grief. We got a lot of grief on this show initially because these glasses were plastic bottles. Oh, don't think I didn't notice. And so we, <laughs> yes, right. And yeah. so we got a lot of emails like, what's with the plastic oh, bottles? Oh, so we so happy to hear. Yes. No, it was, it was yeah. clear. Yeah. So I watched A Plastic Ocean and I watched you as one of the hosts of the, of the documentary. And I, I will get into the contents of that whole um, problem. Um, but it, it, when I learned more about your story, I learned about all the free diving. I want to start with free diving. Yeah. Because I'm, 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 there was a moment in time where I was sort of obsessed with free diving. I was in the Bahamas a lot and I would, there was dudes there that would go out and free dive. And so I really got into this and I thought, you know, I didn't spend months doing it, but I would, you know, if I was there for a week, I spent a lot of those days like trying to dive as deep as I could. It's addictive. It is. And, but I, see, so when I think of, and I, this is where it gets to you because I've watched, a lot of the film on you and read about all the records, by the way, she's Tanya's had a world record for men and women. That means no dude at the time went deeper than you, which is crazy. Um, but it was different than what I thought of free diving. It is. And I mean, anytime because it was, you know, let me just, you know, like when I was free dive, I would put on fins and I would just go down. Yeah. And, and I had that the is free diving. Right. That, that's but the as truth. when you went 550 feet, there, explain to us, the, the, it looks like a sled or a device that pulls you down. It does. Thanks for the extra 25 feet. It was 525. Um, what well, was in me? They, it goes in meters. And then I'm like, I what are meters? You'd be bilingual in meters and feet at this point with uh, such European exposure. But yes. Okay. So, so. <laughs> More when it comes to kilometers. <laughs> but, yeah, I got kilometers all day. You can long. narrow, you just can't yeah. break it down. No. Um, yeah. So, freediving has five different disciplines for depth. And then three, four different, three different disciplines for the swimming pool. Um, and when it comes to depth, the difference, the difference between the disciplines is basically defined by how do you get down and how do you come back up again? There's always a rope because that's going to get mm -hmm. you from point A to point B in the, in the shortest distance, as opposed to going down at an angle if a current is pushing you, if you're not dead straight. In so you keep way. going straight. So that you stay, yeah, right. straight. Well, and that's initially why we, there's also many, many safety elements to a rope right. as well, but basically to keep you in a straight line. So in the quote unquote shallowest dis, uh, discipline of the sport, your breaststroke down, no fins on, no touching the rope except to turn at the bottom and breaststroke back up again. Um, then there's something called free immersion, um, and that's where you don't wear fins, but you pull down the rope and you pull back up again. Hmm. And then there's constant weight, which by definition, the weight that you take down is whatever weight you bring back up again. You tend to wear a little bit of weight on your weight belt and you wear fins and you fin down and you fin back up again. Like what you were doing in the Bahamas, right. like what we do when we're spearfishing. Mm -hmm. 
Um, and Which is how it, you got started. Exactly. In terms of, of, of historical significance, that's the birthplace of the sport because mm-hmm. really it's it's for, for survival and cultural subsistence that, that, that freediving even exists. Mm. It's the oldest extreme sport in the world, if you like. So then you go into disciplines which become assisted more by weight. There's two of them. There's variable weight, and that's by taking that sled down, and you have to propel yourself back up again. You can do it with a combination of kicking and pulling. Um, and then there's finally the most extreme sp- version of the sport, which is no limits, which essentially means there's no limit to the amount of weight you use to go down and the amount of lift in the form of a lift bag that right. you use to come back up again. Yep. And for better or worse, people will always ask you, how deep can you go and how long can you hold your breath? Right. And they don't care how you got there and they don't care necessarily what you breathed in terms of the breath hold aspect of it. Just briefly, the pool disciplines are distance underwater wearing fins, distance underwater not wearing fins, and then just static breath hold. Just holding your breath. Floating like face a dead person face down underwater. Mm. So, you know, it's um, I'm, I've am i set world records in, in all of the deep disciplines. Um, I actually broke the men's world record in, I think, all of them. I think all of them, but mm-hmm. of course the most notable the no, one no is limits. the one that was then also the deepest that anybody had been regardless of gender and it, it got all the exposure. Um, and then in the pool where I truly suck, <laughs> I, I set <laughs> one world record by accident in a heat at a competition once and then I equaled a, a world record in the breath hold back when the breath hold was not very long. And just because I grew up swimming, so the pool, I didn't even I didn't even read about it or know about that. So the pool is like, what, a 50 meter pool? It can be 50 or 25, yeah. And you're um, just going back, so you're, you're turning underwater. Exactly, oh. turning underwater and you know. And how long did that, how long did you go doing that? Do you know, I have no idea how long it took me. Um, oh, but the, is there a distance? The distance um, was 113 meters with no fins. And that was back in 2005. And I believe I held that record for about 15 minutes because the Russian girl beat me in the next heat. <laughs> wow. Um, I mean, that is so crazy. Like people, if I think of a 25-yard pool. Yeah. I don't, I, I couldn't go down. I couldn't go down and back. I oh, yeah, for sure you could. Mm, oh. well, well, with your swimming background, I'm sure you did as part of your training. You will have done those mm. underwater 50-meter um these listeners know that I'm obsessed with swimming too, so I can speak. I mean, I think the the breathing element or the 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 breath hold is is way different now than I mean the way they do flip turns and the way they yeah. hold, they can. I mean, that's so much different. When we grew up swimming, we didn't we did a flip turn and we came, but we got to the surface as quickly yeah. as we could and start swimming again. Oh, believe me, like when I started guys, free diving, I just pushed off the wall. I didn't think about what I was pushing off with or the, the you know the way that your fins stick to the wall i didn't think about my right. body angle as i turn around and go back i didn't think about how long i glide and whether i add a dolphin kick or anything i just yeah. went and, and the went currents i mean you you know now people are flip turning and getting underneath the water yeah. that's still moving yeah. towards the wall well you know that's the thing about sport and the way we advance is we mm. just continuously dig deeper into the technical side i had this whole i had malcolm gladwell on here and he had this he had he was of the opinion that it's not normal that the swimming world records just continue to fall so regularly especially with now those fast swimsuits are gone. Yeah. Back to swimming with their skin, and I, and I made the argument that I, I just think I think especially the turn and the breath hold is just has evolved so much. And you see whether it's a Ryan Lochte or a Michael Phelps, the the way they turn now. Yeah. And so we we got into this whole debate about that. Well, and I think the breath hold part of it actually is pretty big, and it's interesting because. Over 10 years ago, I, I worked for a brief period of time with some of the UT women swimmers mm. because, you know, there's obviously the more they breathe, the, the slower they go. And so 
you know, I yep. like to think that if everybody's breathing properly beforehand and storing yep. enough oxygen, that you could you could definitely take some breaths out of the sprint distances on swimming. Um, and and so I, you know, I think that I think that the guy that said that is doing an injustice to athletes because it's part of being an athlete to consistently dig deeper in yourself to see, okay, what mm. else can I change? And it's only when you fail that you, you know, that you do that, that you look yeah. at the thing that you can change and the way to improve. And you could say the same about the hundred meter sprint or, or the four minute mile. I mean, wh when right, those no. barriers were broken, it's impossible to think that you, anybody's ever going to sprint a hundred meters in, in under eight seconds, Yeah, but it will happen. Yeah, right. And then the, so they went, our discussion, my discussion with Malcolm went to the two hour marathon. And I said, okay, well, what about, let's talk about that. Because I have, and I took the other view to, to, the, to this. Granted, over time, I, I, we will get there. I mean, we're miles, not, I mean, we're actually, we're literally almost a mile away. But, um, so it was, it was fascinating. But look, you brought up an interesting point about working with the, with the with this women's swim team at UT. And because when I watched, I watched like a 30 minute documentary when you set the record. Mm -hmm. And, I think most of us, okay, we assume, yeah, she can hold her breath. Okay, lay in the water, relax, take a big old breath, and then go. But you have this whole, and I, and I watched a lot of these other, I watched the other guy, the new, the Kiwi guy, Turnbridge or Turn. Yeah, so, Turnbridge. Yeah, William. Who did like a crazy Unbelievable depth, athlete. depth underwater yeah. with no fins, no nothing, nuts. Um, but you do this thing called packing. So yes. You, like literally just, um, I guess you're swallowing air. Well, not not in terms of where it's going because it's still going into your lungs. But what you're doing is be beyond a point that you can use your muscular strength to take more of a breath. You then just start using a, a suction with your mouth and with your throat to pack more volume of air mm. into your lungs because it's that volume of air that you're going to need to be able to equalize your ears, clear your ears, compensate yeah. for the pressure, if you like, as you go down. Um, so it, it's 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 something that you need to know how to do, but it's something mm. that you can't mess around with because right. as you saw, if you, you know, did watch a film about that. When one of them, you, me, you overpower, it seemed like you, I, I don't know, I don't know if that's the right word, but you, you stop for a second and, and hit reset because you black uh, out. Yeah. I blacked out because the, the, the act of packing, you put so much intrathoracic pressure on your heart that it inhibits it from beating properly. Mm. And so what happens when your heart's not beating properly? Blood doesn't go to the brain. Um, and so I blacked out very briefly. And then as you black out, you relax your vocal cords, everything relaxes in your throat, you exhale. As soon as you exhale, the pressure mm -hmm. releases blood, oxygenated blood goes back up to your brain and you wake up again. And it's, it, you know, it's obviously not the smartest, certainly not the smartest way to start a world record attempt. Right. And when you, did, when you set the record, and again, it was in this, uh, um, in this little film that I watched, um, I mean, you, you there's a there's a build up to it, right? You went down there. It was in Turks and Caicos, I think. Turks and Caicos, yeah. And you went, and you know, one day you go, you know, 100 feet, and there are 150 feet, and then so you sort of build up to there's it. There's a bigger. I mean, it goes way back to that. It starts. I start training in a gym months and months. And right. Months yeah. Beforehand. Of course, that. Well, there's, I want to get into yeah. just how a free diver, quote unquote, trains, but but, it, but it, on yeah. site. On site, it's a buildup of dives, and mm. it starts. It doesn't quite start as shallow as a hundred feet, just because of the the discipline. Now I'm being assisted down mm. and assisted back up again. So, I think I want to say this: we started at 
maybe 250 or, or 300 feet? To, to, probably, probably two, somewhere between 250 Let's and 300. Let's just start at 300. <laughs> eh, fuck it. You know, that's a good distance. Let's just start with a football field. Okay? <laughs> for for those at home listening, let's just make this, if you're, most you know, of you are Americans, it's a football field. A, Under it, That's the warm-up. A friend of mine no. um, had my daughter for a birthday party the other day, and they had a drone. And he said, when I went to pick her up, he said, we put the drone up at 160 meters. And I was thinking, why would you do that? And I realized, oh. And he said, to show Tilly how how far you dived. Yeah. And I said, dude, if I'd ever seen that distance. Couldn't even see it at 160 No, you couldn't. Meters. He right. said, there's a light a on it, but you couldn't see it. Yeah. Um, if I had seen that vertically, or, or even worse, quite honestly, horizontally, there's no yeah. way I would have tried it. I can't walk that distance holding my breath. So, Oh, there's a quote. <laughs> <laughs> I can't. Oh, we can try it later, but you, you can't. I guess that's right. That's almost halfway around a track, holding your breath. Yeah. And then, so you're building up to this thing, and and, and you, your ears start acting up. You go to the local doctor, which I thought was just so cute because oh, you, you, you go watched to an old school film. Yes, it, the, he taps on my head. He, he's he's <laughs> oh, you're in your, and, the, and then he system. says he says you know don't don't blow your nose. Yes. He says don't blow. He says you can just take a little sniff. Yeah, but, but don't don't blow your nose. And I was like, okay, that's the remedy. <laughs> yeah, that's here we are, Turks and go. Caicos. Um, you know, he was great. He was, he was trying to, um, he was, he was trying to avoid me getting more congested than I already mm. was. And the reason that I went, I, I was having difficulty in the training dives. This is a long time ago now, but mm. I was having difficulty breaking through a, a certain depth barrier. And I, I think it was like 140 meters or somewhere between 140 and 150 meters. I was having a hard time breaking through that. And there was another athlete at the time few athletes training at the time for the same world record but it was it was well known that one of them flooded their sinuses so you you remove this need to equalize if you flood your sinuses because then equalize the pressure on the inside and on the outside so i thought all right i'm going to try this one day and you probably would have seen in that same documentary i take my nose clip off at a certain depth and let water go up my nose that hurts a lot it hurts a lot it's salt water any water up into your sinuses hurts the other thing about nice, warm, beautiful, clear salt water off the Turks and Caicos Islands is full of living organisms. So mm. that's also what's going up, you know. So I got a wicked sinus infection from trying to do that and resolved, I'm never flooding my sinuses again. It's n- n- nothing's worth it. Um, and and I, I truly firmly believed that we're, we're physically and physiologically capable of going that far. Just going back to something that you said before, when, when I about about you know breaking these barriers and mm. saying that it's never possible and what we can do when i was 17 i was in france and i was doing my french exchange and i watched this film called le grand bleu the big blue mm. and i watched it in french I, I i knew i knew what you meant you did yeah you speak a little bit of french um the listeners that don't speak french i was just the big blue. i was bragging just a little but yeah but they didn't they may Less not have known you. that, that back, i want to make sure me if you don't yes. mind um so I watched this film and it's about free diving, which I knew nothing. I didn't know anything about it, but I love, I, I love the ocean. I, you know, that's my whole life. Um, and so I thought, wow, this is a beautiful film. And that guy's hot. Jean-Marc Barr played um, Jacques Mayol. And I thought, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. That's lovely. What's interesting in that film <laughs> is that they set this fictitious depth that nobody will ever achieve. And, and, you know, they die trying to achieve in the film yeah. at 122 meters. Wow. 122 meters just ironically happened to be the depth that I set a variable weight 
world record at, the one where you go down on the sled. It's 400 feet, 120 meters. You go down on the sled and you swim back up again. Mm. I'll tell you that's infinitely harder than taking a sled down and back to 160 meters because it took me a minute and 10 seconds to ride the sled down, but it took me over two minutes, to two and a half minutes to swim back. So I want to get into that because this... this I didn't know this, right? And I, I don't. I think most people listening do not know this. But when I was doing these dives, right? So you, 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 and I'm talking. I, I went 120 feet with fins and like 70 feet with no fins, and I thought I was like a hero. That's pretty good. I felt. I felt like that was. I mean, 120 feet is way the hell down there. I we had. We think had that the you were rope. Say that depth. That's, we had, no. That's we had the good. rope. We did. I had a guy that was a free diver that coached me on holding my breath. We did it in the pool. He got me to like three and a half minutes in the pool. And so I used, I didn't pack, I didn't do any of that, but I dove down, I had to rope and I kept my head totally straight where my, yeah. you know, my throat was. Well, stri- you're hydrodynamic as well. And so I was good. But what I didn't realize that I now know is that it, when you first get in the water and you're diving down, you're, you're obviously swimming, you're breaststroking or you're, you're, you're working against gravity or whatever it's called. It's at some point, I don't know, whatever, 50 or 60 or 70 feet, that, that you become term. neutrally buoyant. Yeah, right. you're working against your buoyancy initially, and then, and then you become neutrally buoyant. And, you and then it's pulling you down. Yes, yeah. Which, think about that. You're, you're 70 feet underwater. You're holding your breath, and all of a sudden, you're getting pulled down, oh, which, which okay. is, it's kind of nice. I was going to say, that's almost like our, our, our drug as free divers. We, that's what we're shooting for, that right. glide. Right, but then, phase. for the person that's just listening that's never tried this, you got to turn around. You, you do. don't hang out at the bottom and somebody gives you oxygen or there's a no. there's a little capsule you have. You got to turn around yeah. and get back to where the real air is and you're then swimming against You are. You're swimming against your negative buoyancy at that point and it does feel at 400 feet when I went to leave the bottom, I pulled myself out of the sled and I had fins on, but I I started out by by um just mm. giving myself a quick pull to get out my fins out of the the fin bin of the sled. And yeah, I mean I felt like I had somebody holding onto my ankles um and i wanted to kick first if you if you pull first with your lungs so completely compressed because your lungs are compressed beyond residual volume at that point well this is in one of the films i just want to give this to the listener so at 50 meters so Uh 160 feet your lungs are the size of a clenched fist i don't know if that's true or not but that's what it said in the documentary I mean, that's a clenched fist. Your lung is this. Yeah. That's at 50 meters. So yeah. at, at 150 meters, Yeah. what is it, a peanut or something? It isn't know. because what actually happens is it, because your, your, your chest wall is not going to implode. This is something that previously that's great. science- That's good to know. It, it is good to know. Yeah. It doesn't happen, as you can see by my fine chest wall. <laughs> They, wow. they thought previously. Just <laughs> we'll get, we're going to get into this. Let me make a note of that. I want to get into the fine back chest to, wall. Back to okay. chest yes. wall later. What's your husband's name? Um, I don't want to get in any he's trouble. Six four. Yeah, and two hundred twenty. Okay, we'll skip that. Um, so so previously, science and medicine did did believe that we couldn't go beyond that depth because we that is where residual volume mm. was reached within our lungs, and and what would happen? Were our, our, our rib was our rib cage going to implode? Well, what actually happens is that residual volume that's left, there is a small volume of air there that's left, but blood plasma moves from the lung, from, from outside the lungs, from, mm-hmm. from your blood vessels into your lungs to take the place of that. So you can't compress fluids. You can only compress gases. So you only feel pressure where there's air in your sinuses, air behind your eardrums, and air in your lungs. So once that movement of, of plasma happens into your, your lung space, you don't feel anymore they don't get any smaller they're just scrunched up little fists or or empty Mm. 
um, plastic bags, whatever, you, empty balloons. It doesn't get any smaller. It doesn't get any greater. Mm. Um, where the pressure continues to go is on your eardrums. And, and in many interviews, I've said it's like there's an elephant sitting on your chest, stabbing hot pokers into your eardrums. Right. And that's where it doesn't matter anymore about the size of your lungs. It truly matters about the size of your balls at that point. Because you're riding your ear jumps. This is so amazing. It, it hurts. Thinking, this is so scientific. But it's <laughs> listeners. Yes. It, In scientific terms, the size of your cojones is really where it's at. Yeah. Wow. And when you're, you know, because I did, like I said, I'd done enough of this. But even even anybody listening has been in a pool with a deep end, and you go down seven or eight feet, and you're, you, you, you know, your ears you you build pressure, and you, and you feel it. most people are afraid to clear or will not clear their ears. Or don't know just, how. Or, or don't, don't even know, how, know or, the, understand the physics behind it. Yeah. How often that? when you go 525 or whatever feet, how many, you're clearing every, constantly. Yeah, that can't, you, you, so what you need to understand about pressure is whilst it increases the deeper you go, mm-hmm. it increases in smaller increments the deeper you go. Got it. So where I might need to equalize 10 times between zero and 100 feet, I may only need to equalize five times between 100 and 200. Got it. And so on that particular world record dive, I got to, I think my divers were, and I can't see them, but I can kind of feel them and hear them. My safety divers were at 110 meters. And I stopped the sled there because I was having a hard time equalizing. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I vaguely equalized both sides and then mm-hmm. I just released the brakes. So the last place that I equalized was at 110 meters and I went another 50 meters mm. riding my ear drums with the elephant on my chest with the hot mm. pokers in my ears. Um, so that feels way different than equal, your first equalize. Yeah, your first equalization is, is easy. You have yeah. a massive volume of air to be able to do it. Yeah. When I stopped the sled at 110 meters, I stopped it and I'm moving my head around and I'm trying to reverse pack. You, yep. you, the, the packing that we put the volume in, I'm trying to reverse pack, which is, it, I make a weird noise, but you're holding your nose and you, like that, it's bringing, you're just finding wow. the air and, and, then you'll, and then push that into your, your station too. But I had to stop to do it. Um, and in the end, I kind of thought, you know, that was my real come to Jesus moment. I thought, what am I going to do here? I didn't equalize that great. I just blacked out before I left the So the come to Jesus moment was at 110 meters. I had a couple right. come to Jesus right, right, moments right. on that dive. No, actually. I'm having one when I'm on the when I'm on the deck. I mean, yeah. Well, uh, so yeah. So for the listeners that obviously haven't watched that film, because I overpacked, I blacked out of the surface. Um, which physiologically speaking, nobody knew. Nobody knows what that does to mm. your body mm-hmm. uh, uh, in preparation for then a 160 meter dive. And there's limited knowledge on what that does to your body. But so so then I I start my dive and I have a a smaller window of time now to take my last breath. I I maybe leave the surface with 80% of of my maximum lung capacity. And my my lung capacity max is about seven liters, a little over seven liters. Um, and so I left with less than that, who knows what, but less than that. Mm. And, and immediately I'm also stressed, I'm anxious. It was kind of choppy on the service. There's it media there. It's, it's the time that yeah. it counts, all the rest of it. There's a lot going on. And but there are judges there. This is not yeah. an honor system. No, this no, no, is, no, no, no. A Everything's body there. And, Your sponsors yep. are there. Yep. Everybody's yep. there. It's, it's, it's the high pressure part of, of diving, which I don't like. Yep. It's not, you know, that's the part of it. I had done the world record in depth in uh, training 
a couple of weeks beforehand, that's when we really celebrated, when nobody was watching, because that's when it really counts, right? right? So anyway, so I leave the surface, I've got maybe 80% of my max breath that I need. I have trouble equalizing way sooner than I that I would. But if I'd taken, you know, every, if everything had gone well. But when I got to 110 meters, I'm next to two divers who are down there doing their best for me, in addition to the other 18 divers that are in the water mm-hmm. who've done their best mm-hmm. for me. I'm the only person in the water that day who is not expected to risk their life to help somebody else. Mm. And so this team behind me at the end of the day deserves my best effort. And I've always had this thing that I've said a million times and I'll say it a million more. If it's not something physical that's stopping you, it's something mental. And so the question is, is your mind going to be your weapon or your weakness? Mm. And in addition to the size of my cojones, my weapon was my my mind. Right. And that's that's what got me to depths beyond, you know, I ever anticipated I was going to get to. And uh, everything else. So, so, yeah, I leave 110 meters thinking, well, all I can do is try because nothing physical has stopped me yet. I've got an angel on one shoulder telling me, you're fine, just try. And I've got the devil giving me every other reason yeah. on my other shoulder as to why I can't do it. And this sled has like a like a throttle. I mean, you can control no, it. No, it's got a brake. It's brake. got weight. Okay. So there's there's something like ninety kilos or something of weight mm-hmm. in it. Um, so to stop at one ten, you you just hit the there's brake. A, yeah, there's a brake. It's it's a really simple friction system yep. on the rope. Um, and so I can slow myself down, and then I, and I can also stop myself. And yep. so that's what I did to stop myself. And yep. then I just thought, okay, I'm going, and I released the brake, yep. and I slowly, slowly traveled from one ten to one sixty. And you okay? And you don't wear goggles because you can't wear goggles, or can uh, you? you? Can't you can't equalize? Well, you can. The, you just the, have to fill the them pressure. with water. Uh-huh. Yeah, because otherwise, any mask or anything is it's going to suck your eyeballs out of the, at that depth. You can't equalize that pressure and equalize your lungs. So, but you know. Um, very well-known freediver Umberto Pilizzari was the first person to say this, and we all say it after him. You don't freedive to look around yourself. You mm. freedive to look within yourself. And having practiced other sports, I can say anytime you do any sport to your absolute best ability, you're doing it to figure something out about yourself. Oh, and yeah. that's Tell every me about it. single Tell me about every it. single world record I ever set was motivated by a need for me to go off and learn something else about yeah. myself or to run away from something and to empower myself. Hmm. Um, and so, yeah, it doesn't matter whether you're goggle, go, you have got goggles or a mask on at that point because you're, it's very introspective. Hmm. I've I've always said I needed to, with each record, I needed to travel to the absolute edge of myself to be able to look back and embrace everything yeah. that I saw, warts and all, and right. be okay with it and have yeah. my moment with it and yeah. then do it yeah. all back up and I get it. go back to the surface. I get it. Before you did that dive that day, I think it was the same film, the, your safety divers were in the water and they're like, oh, there's a 10-foot whitetail oceanic <laughs> shark. And you're like, okay, well, let's... And they're like, oh, he swam away. And you're like, okay, well, let's go. And I'm like, I'm fully expecting you to go, let's try tomorrow or let's find a different spot. You or- know, that's the team, right? Um, everybody, I always say... No, no, but no, uh, the- uh, uh, no, listen, I'll tell you. So, so I would actual- definitely not have goggles on if on- that was the case. Like, I don't want to see... On record day, on record day, we had it was a bit more fun than that. Actually, we had four reef sharks circling 
the boat. And when we first threw the, the rope into the water, we saw the, the reef sharks and the judges who are all from Europe, so they don't see that stuff very often. Like, oh my gosh, this is great. Sharks are amazing. Yeah. And reef sharks, I'm not so concerned about. By three hours later, after the the record was done and my husband is the last diver to go down in his little tiny speedos with his tank and no bc to go just send a lift bag up and and send up the rest of the sled i look down in the water and he's there these sharks have got braver and instead of being 100 feet or so away from the rope he's now thinning them kicking them away because they're all like wait this is really interesting <laughs> my poor what husband what is wrong with you people it's way above this his is, pay grade. i think it, no, the oceanic has- white tip day was 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 better than that. I was in the water and I see this thing banging up against my rope, and it's about twelve to fifteen feet. And no. oceanic white tip sharks—they're the ones that put stuff in their mouths, swallow it, and then ask questions later. That you open them up and you find like tires and airline seats and yeah. things like that. And you're wearing and, this outfit that and just I look looks like, a, like a seal. I look I mean, like it- a bait fish. Yeah, is what I look exactly. like. I'm nice right. and shiny and silver. And all of my divers know about this and they all go, oh, cool, that's great. And then it goes and it goes. And I'm looking around thinking, any one of you people will, has the authority. We're all on the same team. And I, I don't want to be the biggest chicken. Mm. And I'm like, are we all okay with the white tip shark? Are we all good with that? Like, yeah, yeah. And I'm thinking in the back of my head, I'm the only one that looks like a bait fish. Nice and quiet. You all have bubbles. You all have like things to make noise with. <laughs> I, I'm just... Uh, my ass would have been out of that water. <laughs> no. Well, yeah. you know, um, we, we all have our limits. Yeah. How dark is it down at 525 Pitch feet? Pitch black. black. Pitch black. When you look up, and it depends where you dive. In Turks and Caicos, you know, the water's so clear. Um, but it, it, it could be gen clear, but it gets dark. if you're. That it gets deep. dark. It does get dark. But in lakes, it's significantly darker, sure. much, much quicker. In 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 the ocean, in, in, in Turks and Caicos, um, you... If you look horizontally or look down, and by you I mean me, because I'm mm. the one that's down there, it's pitch black. Okay. Um, if you look up, there is a degree of ambient light. So there's a bit of a glow okay. um, that you can see looking up. But yeah, it's 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 pitch black. So but, I mean, halfway down, it's already starting to Yes, be. and that's that's one of the ways I can tell the depth Because when I went 100 and something feet, it was, it was, it was dark. Yeah. I'm like, yo, it's dark down it's here. It's dark. And it's cold. It does get cold. It does get cold. It doesn't get as cold. You're in the Caribbean. I was in the Caribbean. Um, it doesn't get as cold as it does. Again, I did some diving in a lake in Austria where it was, uh, I'm going to talk in Celsius, uh, it was about 73 degrees at the surface and it was 38 degrees Ugh. from 20 feet down. Now, in, in that dive, actually, I did have to wear goggles, but I had to, because I was finding that the air in my sinuses was freezing and I just couldn't handle that pain during the dive. So I would put um, water from the surface, which was whatever, 73 degrees, into the goggles, fill them, and that would effectively keep the, my, my sinuses warm on Insulate. the way down. Yeah. Insulate. Oh, my God. I know. My heart's racing a little bit. This yeah. Very intense How dangerous? Because I want to talk about this. In 60 Minutes did a piece on you, <clears throat> and they talked a lot about this nitrogen narcosis, and, and it came up in your – I had already watched – um, by the way, I can't even believe that I that I hyped a sixty minutes piece, my least favorite news program in the world. But that's a whole other story. Um, but th- your your piece was amazing. But before I had watched their piece, I watched the film. And and when you get to the bottom, you get to five hundred twenty five feet. You're sort of you're not. Sh- I mean, you, off my head. Yeah. So that's called nitrogen narcosis, <laughs> which is like being super super drunk, at least according to to you. And yeah, and is, um, yeah. And you were. Kind of well, you can tell us, but you you were just sitting there looking around and, and 
yeah. sort of lost. It's I've equated it to to me being a bit of a lightweight, like half a glass of wine and an empty stomach. You you suddenly lose track a little bit mm. about how the passage of time and wow. Um, so nitrogen narcosis, as, as it sounds, it's, it has a narcotic effect on you. Mm. Um, and it's a gas that is 80% of the air we breathe is, is nitrogen approximately. And so it is in the air that's in my lungs when I descend. It's in the, in the, it's dissolved in my blood and it dissolves in my blood at a rapid rate as I'm descending. So we're all susceptible to it. But mm -hmm. what makes you more susceptible to it is stress. And that particular world record dive was very stressful. Yeah. I blacked out. <laughs> I didn't get my air. I, my ears were hurting, everything. So I arrived at the bottom, and I have three steps to do. I put one hand on the lift bag because that's my ride back home. And this thing, for the people that – this thing just shoots – it looks like a rocket. It just pulls it, you it straight does, back up. It does, especially if you put too much air in it like yeah. I did in that case. It actually looks really cool. It, it, when they start, When you start it's flying a, it's back to the – a lot of fun. You don't have to gum from 500 and something feet no. to be fun, though. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one hand on the lift bag. The other hand opens up the valve that is in a tank inside that lift bag and dumps the air in the lift bag. And then step three is to pull a pin, which separates the lift bag portion of the sled from the weighted portion of the sled. Which and is where you got confused. Brings me back up again. The pin. The pin. Because in my head, I, I wanted, I knew it was going to be the last time that I was ever going to be down there. I did. Mm. I, I had, was intending to, to retire from the sport oh. after this dive. Um, and I, it, it was to be my my farewell. And then on top of that, I have a, a a pretty unique relationship with the sea that goes back a really long way into my childhood. And yep. so I wanted to blow a kiss to the sea because I'm a silly girl. So I went down. I did my one step. I put my hand on the lift bag. I did my second step. I, I opened up the tank and dumped the air into the lift bag. And then I did a third step and blew my kiss to the sea. <laughs> and I, I wanted to take a couple seconds to look around. I didn't need to scare the living daylights out of everybody at the surface and wait that long. They but were scared. I, but... um, I, I, wanted to, I did want to look around, despite hmm. it not being about looking around. I just wanted to feel. I've always felt that I was looking for something at the end of the rope. And I, I think 15 years after that world record set, I think I'm starting to understand what it is I was looking for at the end of the rope. But it's it, there's a sense of peace down there that... Hmm has everything to do with the darkness and the quiet, but also to do with winning a battle with yourself. Mm. Um, and so I wanted a moment with the sea and with that because the sea allowed me that, it afforded me that, it blessed me with that. So I did my three steps yeah. <laughs> and I was narked off my head because of all of the Super stress. Super buzzed. And I thought, why aren't I, you know, why aren't I moving? <clears throat> and I jiggled the sled a little bit and I then jiggled the sled a little bit more and I pulled my fins out of the sled and, and tried to push it, which is insane because it, as I said, it's 90 kilos. Um, and then I relaxed. Pounds. Yes. Thank you for translating. Um, and then I relaxed and it was when I relaxed that I had the, 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 almost paralyzing thought that, that woke me up, which I didn't discuss until years, more than a decade after the dive, because I was embarrassed by the fact that I thought about it. But I, uh, uh, the thought was, this is going to be sad. And I didn't for a second think that I was going to die because I knew about the safety that I had in place. But what I was thinking about was the fact that instead of surfacing with a big smile on my face to applause and a world record, I was probably going to be surfacing unconscious, which looks awful. 
Um, and, you know, my mum was up there. Oh, I and know. my husband yeah, was, she was waiting there. for yeah, me. Yeah, your mum was so there. So I thought, this is going to be sad. And I relaxed. And then it was like a door slamming or being slapped in the face. Literally what I thought was, pull the pin, you dumb blonde. Mm. And so I pulled the pin. <laughs> I'm just going to say that before anybody else says, but pull the pin, you dumb blonde. Yeah, I, I, and then I, I pulled the pin and whoo, so much air in the lift bag by then. There's been a lot of times in the last five years where I've thought to myself, you dumb motherfucker, you should have just pulled the pin. Pull the pin. Yeah, but, so you're familiar with that. I'm very familiar. Yeah. But So for the listener, it's not, it's not enough to get down there. You got to no. come up. You can't be out or on, you have to come up. And and be conscious. You have to say. I think you have to say. I'm okay. Or you have to. There's a surface protocol that right. you have. To you go can't through. just several steps. No, right. no, you don't. No, there are rules. So in if place. you do come all up for safety, mm-hmm. because we can't go promoting arriving at the surface, blacked out, blue lips, vomiting salt water is a good look for the sport, and then mm. we all celebrate that and give you a world record for that. No, right. you have to surface looking to all intents and purposes the way that you did when you went down. Yeah. Um, and and give an okay and say I'm okay and not be assisted to keep your airway above water for a minute. Um, and on on this particular discipline of diving, something that we briefly touched on a little while ago, because you're not moving, you're not actually metabolizing a lot of oxygen. Mm. So I arrive, anybody doing that discipline of diving should arrive at the surface no more out of breath than I am right now. Now, the other disciplines of diving where you're burning oxygen, different animal. You will arrive pale, you will arrive blue-lipped, you will arrive huffing and puffing. Where you're swimming or kicking. Yes, you'll need to take several breaths before you can say, I'm okay. And there's every possibility that you'll need some assistance. Now, when I left the bottom, the interesting thing about the narcosis, because we talk about blacking out and remaining conscious, um, when you relax with narcosis, that's when it can take over. It's almost like if you have had that many drinks and you finally lay down on your back, uh, on your bed, and you close your eyes and the room just starts to spin. Mm. And you think, how did I get through that party and hold a conversation with anybody? Uh, you know, I have no idea point, what you're I, talking you don't about. Know what, you look I have confused no, right now. I'm, I have, you look, I've, you look I, like, what is The she, listeners of this show about? will, uh, <laughs> this is Greek to me. <laughs> it really is. I, 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 I release the pin, I hold on to the lift bag, and I started to get chronic tunnel vision. I started to lose my hearing. All I can hear at that point is this, which is the lift bag running up the rope. Mm-hmm. And I started to realize that that was becoming more and more distant and that my vision was becoming really black. And so I bit down as hard as I possibly could on my tongue because my body was so numb with the narcosis that I just wanted to have some sensation in my body. And I will tell you right now- To the point of bleeding or just biting? I don't think I've made myself bleed, but but pretty damn hard. I'm just trying to figure out how hard. Pretty, pretty, pretty hard. I don't want to do it right now. Um, But I don't remember probably the first 200 feet of that ascent. Let me ask you, what, what happens if you're 525 feet down? And forget not pulling the pin or forgetting. Let's just say the sl- something goes wrong. The the bag that pulls you up goes wrong. You're there and you you don't have all of these devices, safety, or you know, part of the, the sport to get you back up. What happens? You're there alone. Well, that's your first mistake. We never do any breath hold ever, ever, ever alone. Not in your bathtub, not on your sofa, certainly not in your swimming. But your pool. divers, your safety divers, can't get that deep. My safety, my safety divers can. <laughs> oh, they can. Okay, so they. Well, uh, you know, we're starting obviously to approach. That was a nice depths. southern accent from a from a British girl. That was. 
Get me that half glass of wine. We're not short of it here, and I can give you any manner of accents. <laughs> um, so you're never going to get stuck down. I mean, you're going to. I'm not. No. Okay. Because I have a tremendous, globally sourced, overqualified safety team around yep. me, um, and I take safety very, very seriously. There's mm. not a lot. Mm. I take the sports seriously. I take safety seriously. I don't take myself too seriously, but. Um, there were, as I said before, a lot of people in the water who were there for my safety. Mm. And my deepest diver was, he was actually placed at 450 feet with the ability to bounce down if he needed to. And now he's on mixed gas. Um, obviously not not just one air tank. He had like, I want to say six tanks. God. And on, on a rebreather and in a pair of shorts because he's this crazy Australian guy mm. who thought 76 degrees down mm. there was He'll was be our nice guest next warm. week. Yes, he's awesome. <laughs> um, um, anyway, so, so they're there and they are equipped with a lot of things that can keep me safe, not least of which are um, essentially like a, a climbing grip and a... A, a lift bag. Everybody has them. They Got can it. either attach it to me. I have a harness on or a, a, a integrated ring in my wetsuit. Mm. Um, and, and that will, if they clip it to the rope, it'll bring all of them, you know, it'll bring the lift bag up. It, it, it'll bring the rope up. It'll bring the sled up. And I'm attached to the rope by a lanyard. It would bring me up. Alternatively, if you just clip it to me, it's going to bring me up. And it's not just going to bring me up. It's going to bring me up along the rope because that's where all the safety divers are positioned. It's no good if you don't have a lanyard with a little bit of current. All the divers you know, can be here looking around. down you the rope and you'll come up, you know, yeah, over there. Yeah, they're kind of hovering around yeah. the rope. So, you know, when we when we talk about the fatalities that have happened in the sport, those safety steps, those safety procedures were not in place. So they failed. I mean, those the, the safety. They weren't there failed. to fail. Got it. The safety failed. Yeah, oh. the, sa the 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 right from, amount from the get go. The rules were not being followed. Yeah. Hmm. And why Turks and Caicos? Because most of these world records that I see here, and I watched a few other documentaries that are done at this place in the Bahamas, the, the Blue Hole. Yeah. Which is, I didn't realize this, but it's Fantastic. literally like. Yeah. It's like from here to there. It's you have a beach. And oh, look at that. Yeah. There's a blue hole. There's and it a goes... few of them in the world. And that just happens to, to be where, you know, there's lovely warm water. It's accessible from land. Like yeah. literally you can you could have spectators. walk off the beach. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a really, really amazing um, spot in the world. And the, the reason that more recently records have taken place there is William Trubridge. Mm. Um, and he lives there full he time. Lives there, yeah. he, he lives there. He lives there. He trains there. Um, he started doing said a, a really amazing competition there. Um and there's a lot more freedivers than there were when I was diving. Right. Um, it's just more popular. So why'd you choose Turks and Caicos? We were looking for a sponsor. And yeah. I had gone, gosh, I had done a gig with Club Med a couple of years beforehand um, there. And Club Med had said, you know, whenever you want to come back and do a world record, then come on back, you know, mm -hmm. we'll host it. And so, you know, freediving is... is it's it's tough. We need sponsors, and so when somebody right. says we'll put you and your Got team it. up, you don't bat an eyelid. Because you had all these people. Yeah, I mean, it's a big crew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a big crew. Yeah. It's a big crew. And for to train to go that deep, I mean, I I watched again. You, you're in the gym. Obviously, you have to work on holding your breath. You have to work on. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't. I certainly don't need. Is to this tell core you about, work? I mean, what? what yeah. yeah. What is? I mean, who's, the, the, there's, there's a lot of it, and and again. I've been that I couldn't find the it's, book that tells you how to train to go 525 feet. <laughs> there, there is a book. I don't think they'll tell you that though. Um, 
when I was diving um, competitively, you know, this is a while ago now. That that record's fifteen years old, so that's really when I was in the peak. We were definitely making it up as we went along. Right. Some freedivers are going to, you know, their ego, that's going to hurt. And they go, oh, I wasn't making it up. I, I sure as hell was making right. it up as I went along. And I'm fairly confident that the rest of them were too. Mm. Um, but what we did know was that your cardiovascular fitness and your- Mattered. Mattered. Yeah. It mattered. Mm. So I did a lot of um, aerobic and a lot of anaerobic um, exercise. I, I really believe that freediving is an endurance sport in its in the truest form. When mm. you think about- being anaerobic for long periods of time, um, you, most of the time, and in, in all other sports, you're breathing while you're doing it. Yeah. But you're pushing so hard that you're, you know, you're just you're maxed out. Yeah. Freediving is no different, other than the fact that you're not breathing, and that most of these dives are somewhere between three and four minutes long, rather yeah. than hours and hours or days and days long. Right. And we texted about this as we were setting this thing up, but just for the listener. Back then, not now, and actually, I'm curious what you could do now. But how long back then, when you set this record, if you just said, "Tanya, we're gonna hold your breath as long as you can," how long could you, in a pool underwater, you know, the whole thing? How long could you hold your breath? Back then, the best I ever did was six and a half minutes. That's just nuts. And I will say six and a half. I want to make sure everybody heard that six and a half minutes. That's like. But to put it in perspective, at this point that we keep going back to about how athletes can improve you know, performances. Mm -hmm. The world record for women is over eight and a half now. And the, the world, world record, record for the, the, men... Is Natalia Malchanova, who I believe passed away, unfortunately. Yes. She had nine minutes and two there, seconds. Oh, sorry, I did her injustice. 9.02. 9.02. And, and the men's is a French guy, Stefan Misoud. 11 minutes, 35 seconds. And I will tell you, having been one of the first people to judge a breath hold uh, going over seven minutes in competition... It is the most incredible thing to watch somebody do that. Mm. I mean, you're in three foot of water. You're in very shallow you're just water. You're just there just floating, floating yeah. face down. You're not under. You're it's not so basic. under. You and and what's amazing about it is all you got to do is put your foot down and bring your head up, and you can give up. Yeah. And I will say that the 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 dive that I am the most proud of, and we anytime we're holding our breath, we refer to them as dives. So even these breath holds, we refer to that as dive. The dive that I am the most proud of was when I was doing. While we were training for that no limits, 160 meter dive, on my off days, Paul and I would go to the pool and do some breath hold training. Just because it was a good thing to do, keep your mind on it. Yep. I, I had a, I would dive one day, rest the next day, dive one day. So on my rest days, we'd go to the pool. In addition to doing the trapeze at Club Med, we would then go to the pool and do some breath hold. Right. <laughs> um, there are all and, these people having Mai Tais and fucking daiquiris <laughs> and, and you're over, you, you two are over here like laying in the- Worse than that, yeah. worse than that. Children- walking by and I would hear because you can hear everything I'd hear mommy is she dead uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway back back to my my the, the dive that I'm that's a good point for club med <laughs> um I was shooting for I, th I think six minutes or or just my mm. best whatever and you do a lot of build-up breath holds before you get to this point the whole thing takes 30 or 40 minutes before you get to that pin yep. window of peak performance if you like um and uh, always with a, a dive buddy, my husband in this case. And so we have a signal system set up whereby I think I would have him not tap my shoulder until four minutes or something. Because mm. if you can believe it, I actually would fall asleep for about the first three minutes or so because you're just so relaxed at this point. Um, and so he tap he would tap. I mean, me I do believe it. Every but this, <laughs> this is just gets weirder and weirder. Keep going. Um, 
He tapped me, I think, at four minutes and I give him a, a, a I don't even do an okay because that's using too much. Oxygen. I just go right. like that. Yep. Um, a little finger wave and then tap me at four and a half little finger wave. Tap me at five. And then after five minutes, it's every 15 seconds. Yep. Tap me at 5.15. Tap me at 5.30. Tap me at 5.45. Mm-hmm. Remember giving the signal. Tap me at six minutes. I remember. I remember no part of it. The next thing I remember, he is rubbing my face and telling me to breathe. Uh-huh. And I was like, what happened? He said, you, you blacked out. And I said, no, 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 but th- th- this part is important and I will explain why. Mm. He said, you blacked out underwater. And not like, oh, that's this big shocking thing because he was there and it's safe and we can talk about that too. But the point is that, and I'm not the only diver in the world that can do this, God knows, but I, I'm the most proud of it because when every survival instinct in my body was screaming at me to lift up my head and take a breath i had what it took to push beyond that Mm. and i've always said and our it's it's so apparent in our sport because of the nature of our sport that if you can take your mind out of it Mm. your body is capable of so much more you know we, we, we you you hear about people lifting burning cars off kittens right right it's possible what you can do, what your body can do if you, if you are able to just step outside of yourself or step around yourself mm-hmm. is, is really, really phenomenal. And, when, and I wish I remembered this. The, the guy who, I mean, and again, I'll just go back to this experience I had in the Bahamas because he was a, I don't know, it wasn't you, but he was, you know, he did some free diving and he did all the breath hold training and, and did the tap on the back. And that's how he would coach me. It would, you know, I would just, just exactly just ragdoll in the pool and every 30 seconds. And it was, you know, that, that, that little tap, I mean, you get to two, three minutes a lot quicker than at least I, I was, I was shocked. I was like, wow, I just did three minutes. And I, I wish I remember the fellow's name, but is, is there, when these, so say Stefan Mifsud goes for 11 minutes and 30, are they tapping him every 30 seconds or he just says, let me oh, know. No, for sure they are. At, or is there a, some sort of protocol? At a certain time, he, he will have discussed with his coach when he wants his first tap. Got it. Um, there's not a rule or there's like, no, yeah. and a, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, I mean, I say that, no, no, no. I haven't reviewed the rule, the rules mm. recently. There may well be rules in place mm. now. Um, but uh, no, the, the diver will have agreed with his coach at what point he wants his first tap, at mm. what point they want them every, you know, thereafter, every 15, 30 seconds yeah. thereafter. Um, and it's a, it is a safety thing. There has to be a tap. There has to be a signal back. And if there isn't a signal back, there gets one more tap. And if there isn't a signal back, they get pulled Picked out of the up. water. Yep. And how long could you hold your breath today? Two kids, mom, you know, Four minutes, um, five minutes. I, I would like to think that that you know, given the right amount of preparation. So yes, with my you have like questionable a, you have like fitness a week. level you have right a week. now. Uh, yeah, I'm probably not going to change my fitness level in a week. So probably what I I, I would just work on the the breath hold. But I, no, I mean I think in the right conditions, um, I'd love to think that I could pull off four to five minutes. <laughs> we would call that a dry, you know, kind of going at it. On nothing, but the reality of it is, is, is any fit person um, who has the mindset for it, yep. no, yeah, yeah, can yep. do it, and and who's prepared to listen to a coach and believe the physiology and believe what they're being told and yep. stuff like that. Yep. Let's talk about plastics. Let's. This is this is this is, and and I am I am uh, I will just confess to you and to everybody listening that that 
I, I'm a, I'm a bad guy here. I mean, it's, we have bottled water in our house. We have, I'm the bad guy in the house. Anna, my much, much, much better half. She will not drink. If, if there was a bottle of Ozarka, she has these steel, I forget who makes them, but she takes them to yoga and takes them in the car. She fills those with water, but she, she won't have a bottle of water. I guess yeah. if we're in an airport. She would buy a bottle of water, which I want to get to because there's just, that's that's your only option. It seems. No, your option is to take your stainless steel bottle and carry on and fill it up on the other side from that nice thing that they have at the airport. Oh, they have they have nice water on the they other do. side. They do, yeah. They but see, I that, didn't know. I don't yeah. know this. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. So I'm 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 a I'm I'm not I'm not good. But when I watched a plastic ocean, and I and I think everybody, and I tell people every week. I mean, I've had people on this podcast that have had documentaries made about them, and I always say, yeah, check it out. You know, Superman, or you know, music doc, whatever. I'm just telling you, I don't know if there's going to be a hundred people that listen to this or a hundred thousand. I have an idea of how many people are going to listen. You have to watch this documentary. Please watch it. And it it is, uh, I'm not an eco warrior. I'm not, uh, this was a tough film to watch. Yes. There were you, 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 when we first started communicating, you said, I'm sure it was tough to watch when you say, I mean, I had to look away. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you realize the depth and the, the, just the, overwhelming problem that is out there and then it takes it i had always heard that there were these plastic oceans uh, or plastic masses floating in these where the where the currents the come together yeah. and that somebody once said that the one in the pacific is bigger than the state of texas think about that i don't know if that's true or not but if that's true that's mind-boggling well it's a it, it, i'll address that straight away before we go any further because that's actually a fallacy it's worse not that it's bigger than the size of texas but it's not a land mass people mm. immediately think oh it's this they do area where you can see big pieces of plastic and maybe you can even walk across it or it's dark underneath right. it or something. It's not, it's worse than that because you can't see it. It's right. worse than that because it's all broken up into microplastics by right. the time it gets out there. And microplastics are like magnets for other chemicals and toxins in the sea. And the, it sits not on the surface, but it sits in the, the, the plankton zone. Right. Which is and, what the documentary does an amazing job breaking that down. Right. And yeah, you're, you're right. That original, the bigger than the state of Texas, you could say, well, let me just go on Google Earth and let me go to the Pacific, the South Pacific. Where, 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 where's, yeah. where's this big floating mass? It's, it's, it's gin clear. It's, and, it's beautiful. And, it's cl- and, and what is clear is when you watch a plastic ocean, they, they explain this. For, it's very, for the layman, which is me, which is the, the true offender that, drinks bottled water and, and, you know, puts his kids PBJ and, and, and a Ziploc every morning. I mean, and, you know, lights a candle with a lighter. I mean, all of these, you start to see, and as it breaks down, it's, it's very, uh, it's very easy to understand. Um, but the thing, the, the scenes, and there were a couple of them in the documentary that I just couldn't even watch is when you find these, and again, I'm not, part of the Sierra Club or Greenpeace, but when they would take these birds that live in these areas and were clearly dying, and you have these scientists that would cut them open, and the guts of these, the bellies of these birds, I mean, you can't make it up. You can't. The shit is so... You, also, you, you can't get it out of your head once you see it. Either. No, you can't. I'm, I'm honestly, I, I, it, you can't. It was that when I, you said it was tough to watch. That's the part that sticks with me. I'm, I, 
It's it's interesting what sticks with different people um, because I, I have this theory that people will care because, oh, I don't like to see plastic on the beaches when I'm on vacation. Right. Or they'll care because they don't like to see pictures of seals entangled in, in plastic or birds with their stomachs full of plastic floating dead on mm. the surface of the water. Or, or or dolphins with the or turtles pooping plastic by anything that right. those people and then and then there's the human health impact of it which is why I right. became I mean obviously I'm empathetic towards those other things mm. too but as a woman who was having babies who who had troubles conceiving mm. and from from the time I realized I was going to have troubles conceiving in my mid thirties like I wasn't that old. Um, started to really pay attention to what I'm putting in my body, what I'm putting on my body, what is uh, the food being stored in or the rest of it. Um, the human health impact of it became the strongest draw for me to mm. find out more about it. Um, and knowing that the, those microplastics are at the beginning of the food chain in the ocean yeah. and that the toxins build up as you go up the food chain, um, by bioaccumulation, it's called. Right. They sit in the muscles and the fatty tissue of the fish that no, we the, eat. The, the Italian researcher, the lady who had like the, the, the bow, who was shooting she's totally the dolphins. Badass. Yeah. What a badass! I mean, she's, she's, she's not she's, shooting the dolphins. No, everybody. I'm going to get to that. No, she's, nobody she's, right she's, in. She's, it's okay. She's, no, no, I was going to explain it. It's super choppy, and it, these dolphins are jumping, and she's got this bow. Where she will, it'll crossbow. just crossbow, crossbow, a crossbow, powerful crossbow, which will just take a little sample of blubber from the dolphin. I mean, these, if she hits it, <laughs> yeah, she missed quite a few, but she would get yeah. a couple, and it was like, wow, this chick is totally badass. And they would get the sample, and then you realize that and we look at the levels yep, of the toxins right. in that sample, yep, and we think where is this coming from? And and keep in mind, these are not just general toxins; some of them are. But what they're finding is toxins that are unique to plastics. It's mm. really important that people understand that. They're unique to plastics. You don't find them anywhere else. We cannot blame this on something else. 100% traceable. Yes. It yeah. only goes back to right. And some of those toxins are now being linked more and more to some of the greatest diseases of our time. Mm. So, you know, we need to wake up. We need to wake up to the problem that exists. Mm. Every piece of plastic that has ever been made is still in the environment. If you just think about that for a minute, we've made more plastic in the last 10 years than we did in the 50 before that. I mean, I'm, I'm a little light on the plastic facts at the moment because mm -hmm. I've been having babies and raising kids since no, finishing you're, the you're... film. But, you know, they're all shocking and we should all be terrified by them. Um, I, I, I wrote a, a, a piece for a, a publication this week where we talked about, it's very, very short, where I... I I talked about something that we actually don't address in the film mm -hmm. um, because the science wasn't too far along, but toxins build up in our bodies through our exposure, whether we're eating fish or not, quite honestly, because we are drinking out of plastic water bottles that sit in the car. We are exposing our, to ourselves with the plastic touching our foods, those Ziploc bags with your kids. Um, I'll go on, I can go on and on and on. Shocking how we're exposed to it. It builds up in our bodies and we have no way of excreting it. Mm. There is no way to get rid of those toxins out of our blood uh, and out of our bodies. Mm. But science is looking at and it is suggesting that women download those toxins into unborn fetuses during pregnancy. Now mm -hmm. just think about that for a second. Right. That means that every child that is born is already exposed, already has sure. those disease-forming toxins. Right, and as 
And if you say, as you say, and I totally believe you, that every piece of plastic we've ever made is still on the planet. It doesn't or in go the away. It's it not, so it's just going to multiply and no multiply. Away. So every mother that has a daughter that's going to then be a mother, I mean, it just, yeah. we, I got the, it. The, the, the levels of, of, uh, of toxins in six-year-olds is higher than it is in you or I. Hmm. I mean, presumably, possibly because of this downloading from birth, but also because of their exposure is so much greater than than ours. <clears throat> the other part that the the bird, the images of the birds, and again, I'm not a birder, or but but you don't have to be. You I mean, you could, you could be. You, you mean, could care less about animals. You could and be. Still be you could be David Duke, and, and and not watch this and be. I mean, so uh, the other one that really just was just I was like, wow, was was the I think you guys were in Fiji, and you were in this. Hut where this lady was cooking dinner, very typical. Tuvalu, yes, yeah, a very small, ty- small ty- island. Off small, the very typical diet that they cook, and they they don't have money for gasoline or kerosene or something or wood to light their fire. So they're lighting all of their yeah. uh, the anything cheap. they cook. Yeah. they light with plastic. They do. It's cheap and it's everywhere. And it just lights right up, and it gets hot real quick. And it and, it, and if you need, more, just put more plastic on it. And so they're cooking everything. And the, and the other guy that you hosted this with, I forget his name, Craig. Yeah, he walks into this, you know, it's it's covered, so the smoke is all around you, and he immediately is his eyes are burning, his his breathing is 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 constricted and I just to me I watch that and I'm like, God, there has to be Yeah, but Lance, remember boiling the bag rice? Mm. Yeah. Remember microwaving bacon in the plastic? Mm. Yeah. I mean, we might look at them and think, Honey, I grew up in Plano, Texas. I'm telling just, you, that's me, that's me and why mom, I know. We did, yeah. You know what I'm talking yeah. about. We think now that that is mad. It's yep. absolutely mad to do that. But mm. it's not that long ago. It's not even a generation ago mm. where uh, we thought we can, you can still buy boiling in the bag rice. Sorry, Uncle Ben's, but mm. you know you, you, you can. And uh, these these are here's here's a, a gripe, a current gripe, bigger picture that I have at the moment. In in Europe, manufacturers produce the same products. They give them the same name. Mm. But the standards in Europe are so much greater. Of course. Across the board, bipartisan, if something causes cancer, it comes out of food. Yep. It comes out of food. There's nobody who gets to go lobby for the the, the, the plastic companies right. or the chemical companies. Say, no, yeah. no, 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 no. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to line your pockets a little. That right. stuff has right. to stay in my food. Yeah. Over here, if Americans knew... If Americans truly understand, I like to think they'd be up in arms about what our government, what our FDA allows us to feed ourselves and our children. Well, Tanya, do not get me started on the FDA. (laughs) Do not get me started on our government, especially today. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. But no, I agree. I I mean, but also too, and I don't know, maybe I'm just a snob, but if you had, um, if, if you were in France, granted it has to be the right season, but if you had a tomato in France, and a tomato in Austin. And a tomato in England. Tomato. They're very different. <laughs> that was terrible. <laughs> it was very Dick Van Dyke. I had a cab driver once in England. I, I lo- you think you got accents. I, lo- I think I have accents. So I was trying my British accent. A couple of bottles of this wine and we'll have an accent. And this guy turned around and goes, that's very Dick Van Dyke. And I was like, who? the fuck does that mean? I thought it was Mary good. Poppins. Yeah. Anyway. No, I, I, yeah, I, I, yeah. Yeah. We digress. What's um, yeah, we digress, but but here we are. We have let's just assume today somebody said, Okay, no more plastic. You still left with a lot of plastic. 
Is there any, and there, there was some new technologies that they, that they discussed in uh, a plastic ocean that ways to somehow eliminate or to filter, for lack of a better word, you know, we the, have the, to address the problem. The microplastic. Yeah, we have to address the problem from all of the different angles, and there are many, many angles. Got it. Stop you, you Stop. Yeah, with from, the user. From, from the bottom, the, from yeah. the user, and mm-hmm. from the top with l- legislation mm-hmm. and manufacturers. Okay. And then we have to look at the problem of the existing plastic in our environment. Right. And it is wonderful that young people especially are, are motivating their minds towards this problem. Mm-hmm. And you've got the young a uh, kid, he's probably in his 20s now, in the Netherlands who has developed this system to try to filter the plastic out of the oceans. And it's great. It's, it, I think it's fundamentally flawed. I don't think it's it, it's too unfair of me to say that. But the point is... So it doesn't work. I, I can't go that far. It's just okay. to say that. I can't say that I've studied it that far, but it's my understanding that 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 it it, it's, it can't work on the scale that, that it needs to. But right. the, the point is that young people who instinctively know that what we're doing to the planet is wrong... Mm-hmm. Um, are putting their brilliance towards solving this problem. The film is a catalyst for change. It yeah. is not to make you terrified. Mm-hmm. It is not to make you feel bad about the choices that you're making. It's to make you go home, go into your kitchen, and make better decisions, right. for sure. And it's to make you uh, make better decisions at the supermarket and everywhere else. But it, it's a catalyst for change on every level. Yep. Um, inciting hopefully plastic companies to to look at different ways instead of just continuously churning out all of this plastic start developing you know bioplastics so i bioplastics. so in plant plant-based, plant-based plastic plastics. is you're good with that well i mean it's yes if it if it can degrade without an impact to the environment like that's what we should be shooting for right so i i so i watched in one of the scenes your man craig was was actually here in austin and was going to all these oh, different gosh. cafes and restaurants to get well, no i want i would like my food or my drink not not in plastic not in plastic no, so australian there, accent plane please yeah australian. No, i'm even oh, better you got that? Not yeah, in plastic. even better at that mate do you, do you have that is that in yeah, plastic right. could you put that on a paper plate for me yeah. because I don't, is there toxins in there He's no really no no working so forays, lady. <laughs> no working forays. But um, no. So yeah, he so he goes around. So he's for... finally he finds some. I don't know where he was, and they they said, "Oh, we have we have you know plastic is plant based plastic." And he was like, "Right on." Mm-hmm. So I immediately I call her. I have a coffee shop downtown, and I called Juan Pelota. So I call her. I was like, "Hey guys, uh, <laughs> there's this Australian my out there smoothie, on the my smoothie. My no, I, this was this was two, this shut was, up. This shop. was a week ago. <laughs> I have all my smoothies there, and what looks like a plastic cup. And I said, "What?" What are these cups? And they're plant-based plastic. Well, so I was so you. proud. I was like, oh. Is the top and is the straw? Is it all? Uh, you know, because I went somewhere the other day well, and, and she said, yeah, the, the cup is, but I'm not sure about the the top and I'm not sure about the straw. So got it. It's a good question. I, I usually, my only defense, which is a bad defense, is I don't get a, a, a top or a straw, but I need no, to, I'll get No, it's a good you. defense. I, I love that. You, that. Because you can also do that with, the, you know, the plastic that you know isn't yeah. good. But yes, you can take your reusable cup in, so that we're, you know, we just have this disposable society. We've become this disposable society. 50% of the plastic that's produced is for disposable single-use single items. Single-use, right. Yeah. yeah. Which the, it, I think 13 minutes is the average use time of single-use plastic. I mean, I'll just confess. I mean, how, I, I can count on both of my hands how many times I have taken a Dasani bottle, an Ozarka bottle, a Fiji bottle, and refilled it. 
yeah, I just prefer that you don't even have it in the first place. Right. You're doing your, yes. Because, you know, every time that bottle is exposed to UV light, it's breaking down and it's releasing more toxins. It's, mm. it, yes, it's better than buying a whole bunch of them for the planet. It is not better for your health. What do you put, what, what do you, what water do you drink at home? This is a really, it's a basic question, I have but, a, but I, I wouldn't have drink a, Austin tap water. I do. Sweetie, I grew up drinking Cayman Island cistern water with dead frogs and dead snakes in it, and I turned out all right. Um, <laughs> I have no problem with Austin tap water. I do, however, have an RO system in the okay. house, a reverse osmosis system, which I have for the children because I'm not a big fan of fluoride. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the government telling me that I have to drink fluoride. Yeah. And, and the chlorine and everything else yeah. in, the, in the water. I mean, I could taste it. That, one of the things of suddenly falling pregnant and being pregnant is you can taste everything. I could taste yeah. the mold. I could taste the chemicals, everything. Yeah. So, But I will drink tap water before I buy bottled water. I, th I think we, I want to go back to the thing about the kids because it's just like – like when we were kids, you know, we nobody wore sunscreen, right? Now all my kids that they're obsessed with wearing sunscreen. And well, when, I know when we I were... can show you the scars from the skin cancers gouged out of my body, having grown up in the Cayman Islands right. without sunscreen. But now there's this, you know, there's this awareness yes. of this, and this is exactly what I, I think that film did for me, and which I would hope it would do for anybody that watches it listening today, but or whether it's the old days and cigarettes and, you know, there's just, there just has to be this movement around that where, where the awareness grows and people are like, they just take a beat and they're like, wait a minute. No. And they just make a different choice. And, but I'm still so concerned. I just wish that we were smart enough to figure out what, if we all stop today, what you do with the stuff that's just sitting out there. I think that, well, I think if the, if you were to, incentivize cleanup which suddenly makes it an industry mm. and there is criticism for the waste to fuel technology mm -hmm. the criticism basically being well that's just going to encourage people to keep making it because now there's a you know second use for it to burn it as fuel to burn it and to, and to use it as fuel well that can't be that good if it well it it, it 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 can and it can't if we address it in the film uh, in a system there where there's system no, there they... there's no gases mm -hmm. and that it is it, essentially it is um self-powered by the gases that it, it produces that it. It, it's in incredibly expensive um and so on a large scale mm. it's you know, at this point in time, until we progress, or some we do factory in, in Germany, everything. I think. Or oh well, the, the German thing is a closed loop system for recycling, which is which yep. is fantastic. But you 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 are addressing the issue of what do we do with the existing plastics and um, microplastics. That's and, the crazy and, and thing. The micro getting it out of the ocean. Yeah, um, yeah uh, we'll we'll get there. It, the same way we'll we'll run a hundred meters in under eight seconds. We we will get there. Yeah. Um, and the two-hour marathon. And the two-hour marathon. And the and, and the, the feet. meter dive. Or maybe somebody's already gone 800 feet. I don't know. Uh, pretty close. Um, but not come back fully okay. But look, it's... That's for the we, next podcast. We, we'll get there. You should have him as a guest. He's, he's wonderful. Um, we'll get there. I believe that we'll get there. You shouldn't come out of the film feeling that there's nothing that we can do and that we have, as I responded when I found out about toxins in my unborn babies, we're doomed. You know, we're not. Mm -hmm. There is hope. There are solutions. By bringing them to light, by, by raising the issue of the problem and, and making people more aware of it and discussing the, uh, the, I guess, the solutions that are being looked at, hopefully it will encourage industry to change from the production side of things um, and... Uh, 
as consumers, we can demand better. We can. You, the, the first step and all the R's that we've come up with is to refuse. Refuse plastics. Mm. Refuse, refuse, refuse. Um, and by, you know, you can make those choices. You don't buy Ziploc bags anymore. You know, the sandwiches actually are better off than like damp paper towel and, uh, you know, wax paper. Um, and, and, and a nice stainless steel lunchbox. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a good story about that one, but that's, not- <laughs> um, you know, there's that the, you can, you can yeah. go into your there's kitchen options. and you can make tons of yeah. changes and, and whatever it is that motivates you when it comes to, you know, me at the moment, it's my children and it's yep. their health. Um, there's lots of ways to do it. Yep. But as Dr. Sylvia Earle says, um, and I believe she says it in the film, if you don't know, you can't care. Mm-hmm. Once you do know and you choose to be ignorant, there's right. a special place in hell right. for you. <laughs> right. No, that's you know, but, a warm, yes. warm spot, warm corner. But um, yeah, the the, the 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 you know people. If you haven't, for example, before I saw that film, I mean, I just had my default. My, I made my son sandwich every morning. I put it in the Ziploc. But the, it's and wash that Ziploc when it comes home. I'm not. A, you but know, no, now now we have this. We have <laughs> like a looks like a, a. It's a reusable. Uses it every day now. It's got a little Velcro thing that holds yeah. it down, and it. it but um, if if you don't know and you haven't been uh, exposed to that or educated on that, like I mean, the arc of the story for me goes just like this: when we were kids and you had a six pack of Coca Cola or a six pack of whatever, and you and you had the little rings, mm-hmm. and you you know, the first time I heard of that is like, hey, you know, cut the, rings cut the rings so that it's no longer a circle, so that a dolphin can't get his nose in there or a duck can't get his neck in it, and I'm like, oh, okay, that's that makes sense. Yeah. All the way to seeing the film, sitting here today stressed about to seeing images of those birds thinking about microplastics i'm like wow it's been a very steep learning curve for yeah. me i was not as i say i was i was interested and and motivated to be healthy mm-hmm. um when i started this shoot but you know between my two children and then every time i went off and came back from one of the shoots like that fiji shoot or the tuvalu shoot or, or the dolphins in, in, in the yeah. south of france oh no where were we uh, was by Sicily, weren't you? You were, were down we? there, you were down in Italy. But the we ladies, were Italy, yeah, you were in yes. Italy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think you were by Sicily. You know, I would come back and make changes, come back. And one of the, you know, my wonderful moments of feeling warm and fuzzy about it was mm. watching my husband wash Ziploc bags. Yeah. And he'd come back from the grocery store really proud. And he's like, look at this, there's not any plastic in here. And I have a friend who's in Hong Kong. He's part of, um, he's, we've worked with him. He's part of Sea Shepherd organization. He's very motivated, doing amazing things in Hong Kong. And he's doing this movement at the moment, which is trash the supermarket. And yes, the, the, the Chinese, Hong Kong, uh, you know, you think you walk into our local HEB or Whole Foods and you see a lot of plastic, go over there and it's just, it's, it's appalling. So what he started to do and start a bit of a movement is he buys what he wants and he's mindful of the plastic. But when he gets to the checkout... Pays for everything, and then he unwraps it all, and he leaves all the plastic there, and says, "This is your problem." Wow! So we're calling it trash the supermarkets. <laughs> He's calling it trash the supermarkets. It's none of nothing to do with me. His and picture's going to be up in the, you, uh, honestly, in, in the in uh, the in the break room. Do I not let this am... man come in. <laughs> I'm too scared to do it. Uh, you know, I'm too I'm too scared to be that girl. But yeah. I feel physically sick when I see people getting plastic bag after plastic bag after plastic bag in the store, in the checkout line. And then even in the, in the produce section when we're getting limes, I know that they curse yep. me that all 24 of the limes that I get are loose. I'm sorry, yeah, you're gonna have to wrangle them and you're gonna have to put them on that thing and, and figure it out because until you put paper bags out, I'm not putting them in a plastic bag yep. just to carry them home, you know? I hear you. It's gonna so get washed. Yeah, so 
as we wrap up, so let's make, where should we send people? Because I think it's great that we talk about this and it's great that people uh, could and should see the film. But like, I'm looking at plasticoceans.org. There's a ton of, this is you guys, the film worked closely with them. Plasticoceans.org is the, is the foundation that funded the film that I'm a patron for them. That's, that's the birth. The birth of the film is Joe Ruxton who birthed the foundation. She produced the film. It's, it's, it's her baby. Um, and, that's that's the website. It's on iTunes. Yep, the um, film is. The film is on mm-hmm. iTunes. And uh, yeah, I mean, A Plastic Ocean is 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 the name of the film. PlasticOceans.org is the website, and it's a great place to go for the resource yep. and information. And yeah, get involved. Just just make the changes that you can. Don't feel overwhelmed. And and what you what you do yeah. do, even just the little things, it honestly does make a difference. Right. It really does. I have, I, I, look and. Thankfully, I mean, I watched this the the documentary and it it it, it elicited some strong emotion and feeling in me. But I, it was cool because I was like, "You did such a great job," and I was like, "And that's why I was on the plane and I I had wireless." So I was I was like, "Oh, look at her; she lives in Austin." And then I looked on Twitter. I was like, "Oh, she follows me, so I'll follow her." It's We've just, met before. You just don't remember it. I I don't forget uh, pretty blondes. <laughs> you forgot the me, whole honey. world knows this. <laughs> we met. We met at a party in Spanish Oaks. Well, we'll, we'll I might have I might have been having a little <laughs> nitrogen narcosis that going on that night, and you know, and sometimes I mean that, I've only been intoxicated yes, a couple of times, a couple of times. I so think that, that might have been the one, one. and I remember that. Yes, I remember. Yes. Uh, but anyway, so bottom line, <laughs> without the film, without I wouldn't we would have met again. Met and so again. I, I thank you for being here and. Uh, We've done, I you know, I don't know, forty or fifty of these. This is this is your top three. This well, is, I oh, loved this. Wow. I loved this. Well, I I perused through, and I think I might have been possibly just the third woman, maybe. So, and I'm not taking a stab. No, I know, but I'm. It, actually, it feels like I, one, but that's I'm okay. Really, I'm gonna. I'm gonna. No, I just. It was supposed to be a little bit of a stab. It's. I know. Um, I know. I I am. Um, plastic bottles and and lack of women. We, I hear, we hear it a lot. We can go on. I thought um, you well, could that's you could cool. have been a I'll zebra, and I wanted to have you on here. It, <laughs> did, it you. didn't. It, I would have it, been a blonde zebra too. Yeah. Um, I, I was very intimidated when you said, "Oh, if you've got nothing better to do with your time, you know, listen to some podcasts." I did. I put them on in the car, and not with my older child because you curse too much, but with the baby, and um, and. You sound yeah, like my mother. I was overwhelmed by the guest list. Mm, thank you. Um, and um, I will also say, and I don't mean to be condescending, but you're actually really good at this. You're oh, really well, good you. at this. You thank are you. because you let guests talk. Thank you. You are. You know, yeah. lots of people do this kind of thing. And Nobody they, wants to hear me talk. They talk. Really, they the, the, don't. This, be quiet. Yeah, just let the, me say I've this. I've talked for enough a in my life. <laughs> but yeah, you, I, I, and and I, I just, for one, love this kind of thing when there's no camera in your face. Right. I love radio. I love podcasts. I love interviews and talking. But I. Can I just say I tr- I tried really hard to 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 say very few f bombs today. I think I, I had two. I counted two. There's a couple. You don't need to edit them out, but I'll 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 just walk one of them was in is was was in reference to me. So I thought I was safe with that. <laughs> she's she's not going to get through this anyway. This is going to be too much for her. Oh yes, from the producers. Anyways, okay, Tanya, y'all, y'all, <laughs> thank you, thank now. you so much. You're welcome. Amazing. Thanks for tuning in to the Forward Podcast. Like uh, like I said at the top of the show, if you have anything you want to say, if 
you have a suggestion, please. God knows I need suggestions. Um, or questions, or concerns, or criticisms, or whatever. Let me know. Send me an email. Send it to theforwardpodcast at wedosport.com. I know it's long. I know it's a little confusing. The Forward Podcast at we do w e d u sport singular.com. The Forward Podcast at we do sport.com. 